Welcome to Law Light, a quick dose of legal levity as we shine some light on the heartbeat of the legal field. Hi, I'm Elena McMillan, Director of Talent Acquisition for Gibson Arnold & Associates, and I'm here with Melinda Delmonico, the CEO and President of Gibson Arnold & Associates, and today's topic is Thriving in Chaos, Self-Care in the Legal Field. Wow. When I think of the legal field, I have to tell you, my go-to impression is not, that's a really easygoing environment. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think we're in need of some self-care in the legal field, Melinda? (laughs) We are in dire need of some self-care in the legal field. So much so that the American Bar Association has spent the last few years really evaluating this topic. Mm. And what the research has found is that Self-care for attorneys is a considerable problem. Uh, Statistically, 36% of attorneys are considered problem drinkers. Oh, my gosh. There is a huge number. 45% of attorneys experience depression. Wow. And a smaller percentage abuse prescription drugs, 9%. Wow. So uh, what you're saying is that... um our efforts at bringing some ease and relaxation to uh, this challenging field is not working. It is at the, we're at the beginning yeah, of this and really evaluating it. There are other risk factors we have to consider because not all lawyers are problem drinkers, right? Right. right. But there is uh, other issues that come up and, and we find that out of a hundred occupations that have been studied, Lawyers are 3.6 times more likely to suffer from depression than those in other fields. Interesting. So it kind of makes sense if you think about it, like drugs and alcohol are kind of a go-to stress reliever. So it's not shocking when you don't know of other ways to relieve stress. That's right. And I think if you look at the different aspects of the psychological distress, they have feelings of inadequacy, anxiety, social alienation, and isolation. Mm. So with that being said, um, I think part of the problem is there there are stigmas around uh, seeking help. I think that's a huge problem, right? Your people are concerned about their reputation and they're trying to climb a ladder and to ask for help is not an easy thing to do. And for the general public, it's not an easy right. thing to do. But when you look at the legal field, there are other aspects. For example, there's concerns of losing their license in their oh, bar wow. staff. Oh, sure. Uh, long hours that they work and the lack of flexibility because of the demands on lawyers right. also increases this anxiety. Of course. And burnout is stigmatized. Mm. It's treated like it's treated like a problem sure. versus... Like someone can't handle it. Yeah. Like it says something personal about them. Uh, which then alcohol consumption increases. But in addition to that, it's a very social profession. So, for sure. example... Um, there are studies that show that people engaged in social drinking earn 10 to 14% more a year in their income. Wow. So not only do people have all these other things we're talking about at stake, but now potentially it could impact their ability to generate or grow their business. Absolutely. And if you think about events, lawyers are getting together in social events, they're meeting with their clients. It's about building the relationship with mm-hmm. their clients and with each other. Wow. Well, uh, did you know that 
burnout is not actually a slang term. Really? It's like a real distinction. Yeah, the World Health Organization has addressed it. It's on their website and they define it. They have a definition for it and it's um, defined as a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. Well, I know from my own experience and from speaking with others that the symptoms around burnout, it's a depletion of energy. Oh, yeah. Completely completion, uh, de- depletion of energy, increased mental distancing from others. We don't want to be with each other when we're burned out. <laughs> Understandably. <laughs> and obviously lack of production. Right. Uh, and so I think you really re- erode your performance in general. Right. Which then impacts your self-esteem. And then it's like a cycle, right? And it just takes you right back. More stress. Yeah. This, this uh, psychological loop that, that, that we engage in. So what is the ABA doing about it? The ABA, uh, the American Bar Association, has been tremendous with addressing it, and so much so that in 2019, they rolled out the Lawyer Assistance Program. Mm. And within that, um, this program is providing robust education on well-being. It's reducing, uh, suggesting the reduction of alcohol at events at law firms and other legal events, providing resources for addiction and mental health. Uh, Firms are developing policies around treatment. Firms are changing their values and encouraging healthy ways to live. They're providing confidential access for support. And they're also creating a pledge. Mm. So, Will they stick to the pledge? (laughs) Well, that's amazing. You know, there's this seven point framework and it really highlights each of those different, those seven areas that they're focusing on. And we have this really great slide. So it's, it's a little clunky to try to explain it or to really go into it, but we'll put it on the website because I think it's brilliant and it's addressing it from every angle, socially, emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, even. Yeah. Which, which is so important for someone to, to become aligned, we have to, to address these physical types of things and then also the inward types of things that we have. Yeah, absolutely. So what are some things that people can do right now? So besides having self-awareness, right? Right. <laughs> that I'm drinking or that I've got burnout, I think number one, maybe an acknowledgement that there sure. is an issue going on with me. Maybe taking a look at how you're managing your stress. Right. Starting there. Yeah. What's happening? Do I have a problem? Mm. Does, does this apply to me? Is it apl- applicable? And I would even just throw out there that it it may not be black and white. Like I have a problem or I don't have a problem. It might just be, I am creating a habit of going towards these things that have proven to not ultimately be effective. So maybe there's a gray area, like you don't have a problem, but it's not effective. Well, and I think you're right. I think there's an aspect of uh, for many of us who are not big drinkers or have substance abuse, substance abuse issues, it may be feeling like I don't have any time. It may be feeling like I don't, I don't see my family enough. Mm-hmm. Sure. It could be that I'm not getting time for exercise and right. other aspects. I, I just don't have the capacity to do anything else besides my job. Yeah. And, and it could be overeating or it could be eating poorly, which could be an emotional reaction or just a physical reaction because you're working all the time. So the easiest thing to reach for is something that's not very healthy for you. Yeah, exactly. So I think the things you can do, the first thing 
from my perspective, is to really listen and care for your body. And what I mean listen, I don't think we, as, as the majority of the public, really spend time connecting to what is my body saying to me. Fair. I think our body, every ache and pain is probably trying to communicate something. That's right. So a headache, mm. uh, feeling tension in the body, you know, feeling anxiety, mm-hmm. those are all signs of burnout. Those are signs that something stressful is causing my body to respond. Mm, interesting. I've even heard that um, tension in your shoulders is often um, a result of feeling like you're carrying the world on your shoulders, like something translates from emotional into physical sometimes. And so something as as simple as tension in your shoulders can actually be an emotional response. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it does, you know, there's a lot of uh, theorists out there that that these tensions within the body does create dis-ease. Mm-hmm. Which, which turns into disease. Some, which turns into disease. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. In some form of a physical a challenge. Well, and at the very least, stress exacerbates everything. So for people who do have some kind of physical issue, like I have a thyroid condition, I mean, stress will inevitably exacerbate anything we already have going on anyway, in addition to maybe creating new problems. Yeah. So I think the first thing would be to listen to the body. Mm-hmm. And that need space and time to take a moment in the day and just to feel what's going on with you. Mm -hmm. It may not be as obvious, but taking a moment just to self-reflect on how am I feeling? That Mm. would to me be one major step in addressing this. The second thing would be, uh, would be building community uh, in your workplace as well as at home. If you find yourself not being able to be present with your Mm. family and to be present with your peers that is a sign that maybe you're overwhelmed. So being present, mm-hmm. both with your peers and with your family, being an active listener, engaging, taking the time to engage is critical. And having a community that supports you, right? So in law, sometimes it's a competitive environment, but you could really create a community that nurtures you rather than creates you know, more stress by having it be competitive. That's right. And I think in the legal field, There is a lot of competition that goes on and maybe in a lot of businesses, but in particular, lawyers may not always feel like they're in that environment. So then what do they do? And I think part of that would be potentially um, understanding what it is that is not compatible with them. Do they, why don't they feel the community and addressing it in their workplace to begin with? Sure. Or sometimes it's just even adding it or creating it. Like there just wasn't an intentional community created. And so people just show up and do their thing and leave. Yeah. And so that ability to engage others and create your community uh, would be really a potent step for solving any kind of distress that you Mm -hmm. have in in your day-to-day emotional body. Sure. And at home and outside, if your family is also engaged in a lot of different activities, sometimes it's helpful to have your friends and create a community of like-minded people that are outside of family and work. You can find it in all different forms. So community is huge. Yeah. Agreed. That we feel supported and engaged. And then I think another aspect would be looking at your workload. So there is a point in my life that I never had enough time. (laughs) So I started this mantra, I have plenty of time. That's a good mantra. (laughs) I have plenty of time. And the idea is, what is... Uh, how do we redesign our workload? What is it that we're doing? Where do we spend our time? Again, another self-reflection, where am I focusing my time each day? Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and is it a should or is it truly an organic need? So is this a urgent versus important way to look at it? Or is it more like what, what am I great at and where do I need to be putting my attention and what can I delegate? Is it a combination of those things? I think all of the above, okay. Elena, because delegation is really helpful. Right. But to start your day and to really analyze what it is that you need to do for that day, what's critical, what's not critical, what am I doing and how am I how am I focusing my time? And also, do I need a break in the middle of the day mm. to stretch my legs, right. to go for a walk, sure. to engage physically in order to beef up my mental capacity in the afternoon? Well, you're one of the most effective people I know. You're very efficient and you get a lot done and you take a walk almost every day. And I have a tendency to be like, I can't get outside. <laughs> but it's sort of like a video game. You're just constantly dealing at what's coming at you versus like designing your day. It makes sense. It's yeah. brilliant. Yeah. And I think if we have a creator mentality, I mean, we can have hold a victim mentality or we can hold a creator mentality. And sometimes in the middle of the day, we feel like, oh, my God, I don't have enough time. I can't get all this done. And that kind of within me brings up my victim mentality of like, oh, no. Yeah. And it's do, reactive right? versus my creator mentality of, OK, this is what I've got to accomplish. Yeah, I'm going to be interrupted during the day. But these are the things I need to get. These are the critical items that need to be accomplished today. I love and it. how can I approach that and have some self-care? Excellent. What else? So breath. The importance of breathing. How often do you find <laughs> you hold your breath during the day? Uh, you know, that's probably true. Um, it's funny, though, that you say breathing because we all just assume that we do it. But you're right. We do it enough to survive, to not pass out. But we're not necessarily really intentionally breathing. So the exercise is when you feel and you have awareness that you're having shallow breathing, mm -hmm. a, good, a good way to identify it is if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling intense and you feel in your body. So we did the first point of feeling in the body and all of a sudden pay attention to your breath. Am I taking a deep breath or mm -hmm. am I not? That's a moment to take a deep breath, breathe, you know, let the body relax because it automatically relaxes the nervous system when we breathe. Absolutely. And, and it actually, um, you're oxygenating your blood and your cells. I mean, it, it, it's literally making a difference to take deep breaths. In my previous life as a hypnotherapist, I used to do a lot of smoking cessation sessions. And many people smoked because it actually, get, part of what they were addicted to was not just the nicotine, but the act of taking deep breaths. And they didn't even realize it, but that was relaxing to them. That was part of, they had connected it to the smoking, but some of it was really just the fact that they were taking deep breaths. They weren't healthy breaths, but they were getting in that exercise of deep breath. But that's a tremendous example mm -hmm. of um, how breathing affects the body. And, you know, that that's a good point. If you were to think about every hour stopping and just taking a deep breath, mm -hmm. feel into your body and what a difference it makes and your, your mental attitude. And there are apps you can use for this kind of thing because one of the things that happens in the middle of the day is you get rolling and you don't think to stop and do something. So these apps, you can create uh, alarms throughout the day to just remind you to stand up and stretch or take a deep breath or drink a glass of water. And as part of that, I think taking, when you talk about the mindfulness of that, mm -hmm. I would say finding your flow through mindfulness is another aspect of self-care and what I mean by that with mindfulness again it's self-awareness mm -hmm. some people meditate to have that mm -hmm. to have the space 
Uh, other people jog and run mm-hmm. and do exercise to find their flow and ease with their mindfulness. But it's coming back to having a little bit of silence. Our minds are constantly going and having awareness of what am I feeling? What am I doing right now? And reflecting back within ourselves is a mindfulness practice. Mm. And it can be done through daily activities. It doesn't mean you need to sit for 15 minutes and meditate. Right. There's no wrong way to do it. That's right. It can be exercise. It can be just stopping and breathing. It can be meditation. However you want to come back to yourself, it's important to do that. Definitely. What else? Communicate your needs. I think that's a big one. (laughs) I feel like people are either good at this or they're not good at it. And there's not a lot of gray area, but we all have needs. And I think you're right. It's really important to communicate that. Yeah. So when you're working with your peers and you're in the middle of the day or you're working with a client, communication is key. It's much better to make people aware of what you're experiencing or where you are on a project than to have the stress of, I've got to get it done by this moment. I mean, obviously, lawyers have court dates. They have deadlines, but at the same time, they can communicate to their peers, delegate more. They can find ways to be more efficient and to be in flow by communicating. And not at the last minute because, you know, uh, anger and eruptions occur when communication is not clear. Yeah, when we're withholding communication. Yeah, absolutely. So you can totally relieve stress and bring yourself back into uh, an equilibrium by communicating. And you can avoid breakdowns and, and, you know, explosions from letting that build up by not communicating. Right, right. And then setting boundaries. As part of that, we all have needs. And when we've communicated them, sometimes we need to set boundaries. And boundaries come in a lot of different forms. I really struggled with this word for a long time <laughs> because I would just take care of everything and do what I needed to do. Right. And I wore down my adrenal glands. Yeah. <laughs> because so, I didn't I didn't clearly set boundaries and I had to learn that there's certain things that are important to me and my values and, and my time that I need to have a boundary. So what you said you had a tough time with that word, what did that word mean to you? I just didn't have any. I didn't feel like I needed them. Why do I need a boundary? Oh, you didn't need them. Okay. Yeah, like I could just flow. I'm sure just, a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah, I just didn't need a boundary. Absolutely. But I, I realize boundary is more of my energetic stance, mm-hmm. more of me being able to energetically flow through my day. Uh, and when your boundary, and I'm, and we, we can define boundary in so many different ways, but I'm talking about just being able to flow with ease and grace throughout my day is holding my own equilibrium. And that is making sure that I'm caring for myself. That's kind of my boundary. I like it. I think that's uh, I think that's a good way to look at it. I think of it kind of like, you know, the um, carnival cars, they're on a track and the track is under the car. So it's for little kids so they can turn the wheel, but they can't really go more than a few inches in either direction. It keeps them on the track. That's how boundaries is for me. It, there's a little wiggle room, but then I have a hard edge where I can't cross that or I'll lose what I'm committed to getting done today. So those are what boundaries look like for me. And I think that's brilliant because you're right. There is that, that analogy gives a really good example of how we're maneuvering through our days and our lives. And it helps on this whole self-care topic. And then lastly, I would say finding your joy daily. And that came to me in the sense that there were days where I felt like I had absolutely no joy. <laughs> I was just working. I felt like a zombie robot kind of person. And 
I was just taking care of things and doing what I needed to do. Just powering through. Yeah. And completely lost my joy. So what things, I had to stop and reflect, what brings me joy every day? Because I also, and I want to equate this to our candidates, you know, we help people find jobs. That's one aspect of our, our company and our business. And I see candidates come to us who want to change jobs and they're unhappy. Mm-hmm. They've lost their joy. Mm-hmm. But in actuality, I realized it's not about changing the job or anything else. It's about what is my joy and how do I find it daily? Because if I can find it daily, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, I'll be able to find it. Well, plus, then if you choose to change jobs from a powerful place versus a desperate place of chasing something, you'll just end up in the same situation in the new place if it's really about not finding your joy, right? Right. It's sort of that mentality Wherever you go, there you are. So it might be new and exciting for a minute, but then the novelty wears off and you still have to deal with yourself. That's right. And it's and it can be patterns that we get into. And again, the lack of self-awareness sometimes doesn't leave room for joy. Yeah, I could totally see that. So are are there any tips to finding your joy? Well, I think laughter, number one. (laughs) Look for what makes you laugh or smile. I mean, what makes you smile? Mm. You know, what do you really enjoy? So for me, engaging with people is important. If mm. I'm sitting at my desk all day, reading all day, yeah, sometimes I can find joy in that way. But I need to take a moment, get Go with connect. a peer, connect with someone, yeah. have a meaningful conversation that reconnects my joy if I'm feeling. Because sometimes I have to do tasks that aren't always joyful to right. me. Um, right. I can do those, but I need to take a moment and find my joy. Walking and being out in nature yep. is really great for me. That's another tip. What about for you? Any, any tips uh, I would say experience? I would say connecting with people definitely. You know, there are a lot of theories and a lot of um, personality tests that point to whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. And I definitely feel fulfilled being with people. So when I spend too much time alone, that shuts down a little bit for me. So that's definitely one. Um, I think uh, I think connecting with my significant other. So, I mean, I could take five minutes out of the day to just have a conversation with Matt. That always brings me joy. Mostly brings me joy. <laughs> and then he laughing. totally brings you joy. <laughs> <laughs> but there was that one time, no. <laughs> but I think laughing, you're right. You know, whether it's um, in part of that, how you connect with people or or finding something funny or, you know, I mean, it, it's, it looks different for all of us, but and Absolutely. we live in a very serious world. And the legal profession is very <laughs> it can serious. be very serious, <laughs> serious business. Yeah, bringing some lightness to that is important. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. So, uh, all right. Well, wow, that was really helpful, and I love that there were some practical things that people could do right now. Um, thank you for Elena, this conversation. Yeah. Really and joyful, and I'm, I'm I'm very pleased to to share and, and be a part of this discussion. With Talking you. about joy brings me joy. <laughs> That's another one. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, and I can't wait to have another conversation with you about Law Light. Thank you. a brand new day and we'll be making history are you with me won't you stay we have come so far this is who we are